Hello everyone and welcome once again to another episode of Down and Drought, your weekly walk down memory lane with the Buffalo Bills and their 17-year playoff drought. I'm Prescott Rossi alongside me this week, News 8 Sports Director Thad Brown and former News 8 Weekend Sports anchor Dave Yates. Fellows, thank you for joining and thank you for tuning in, whether it be on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, SoundCloud, all the social media devices you can possibly imagine. We cannot thank you enough for tuning in. And fellas, as we turn to 2002, March 1st, a big day in the Bills offseason in 2002. They release Rob Johnson. The immediate thoughts coming right after Johnson is released. Not a shock. You know, he had proven that he was not the answer. I mean, no one, no one really liked him. He was the other guy with the Doug Flutie thing. So there was a large percentage of Flutie fanatics, emphasis on fanatics, that were, <laughs> you know, exceptionally happy to see Rob Johnson go. But from a football point of view, he was always the, the great hope you know, he had the physical tools, but could he put it together? He never did. He got hurt. Rob, we respect you too, but you, you don't look like a football. You look like a male model for Versace or something. I mean that in the best <laughs> possible way. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, you look good. That does uh, wonders. You know, for the locker room. <laughs> exactly. Well, wait oh, yeah. a second, guys. A lot of starting quarterbacks in the NFL look a little bit like this. We do have a picture of Rob, right? Yeah, I, yeah. you aren't trying to promote oh. this image at all. Look at you there, Rob. <laughs> you knew it was coming. <laughs> we were talking about quarterbacks. I guess Drew Bledsoe is the, the talk. He's going to be the, the first quarterback taken. Right. Uh, where do you see yourself fitting in? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I, I don't know right now. Uh, do you plan to be back in Buffalo? No. Not at all. <laughs> Actually, there was just a report. I, I just got off the phone with my agent, and uh, John Clayton reported that I wasn't going to go back. So, what do you know? What do you, what do you know? <laughs> I mean, I just found out about five minutes ago. So, seriously, wow. yeah, how does that make you feel? I'm kind of happy. Yeah, really. Yeah. It hasn't been an easy situation there. Yeah. Every off season, there's been something, whether it's me or Doug, or you know, new coaches. So, you know, it'll be a fresh start. What are you doing in your off season? What's your off season? I just got back from Hawaii. Ooh. What'd you do over there, man? <laughs> I surfed every day. Wow. How about you? No one was, was unhappy to see him go. The question was, who steps in now without Rob Johnson in? And at that point, there was a small period where people looked at Alex Van Pelt as a possible answer. I mean, he wasn't anything great, but they had won two of their last four end of the year. He hadn't been terrible. Mm -hmm. They didn't have really anybody else to talk about at that point. The, the Bills fans were maybe talking themselves into Van Pelt as a regular starter. I remember one of the things looking back on Rob Johnson, I, and it was it was it was a bad when the times that he'd get hurt when he really get lit, there were people that were cheering. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, you know, and it was it was just it was bad to hear. I and mean, you saw it in the media too. Yeah. People saying like, "Oh, Johnson hurt again." Yeah, you yeah, know? it was sarcastic. I mean, it was just it's just a typical Rob. Mm -hmm. <laughs> First quarterback taken that year in the uh, 2002 NFL Draft is Derek Carr to the expansion Houston Texans. Joey Harrington goes two picks later to Detroit. The Bills have the fourth overall pick, and they take Mike Williams, uh, tackle out of Texas. Obviously, the, the history was not kind to Mike Williams in his NFL career, but what was the, the immediate reaction to that draft pick in 2002? It was a no-brainer. Yeah, uh, he and that's was, the thing. The I guy think that we was, see a lot with this team. He was just like, he was a specimen. He was a specimen. He yeah. was like, he yeah. should have been six, six, everything three, you seven. wanted. Yeah, the yeah. guy was just... He was made to play football. Chiseled out of a left tackle. Thing. Yeah. You know, like this was a no-brainer. A no. There's no question. No one questioned the Not pick. At all. No one thought about going anywhere else. This was. I think the Bills were penciled in to take him weeks in advance. Yep. And then he shows up in, in Orchard Park, and he's a great guy to yep. talk to. Yep. Gregarious personality. Fun to hang out with. There was no negatives with Mike Williams until he started playing football. Right. If I'm gonna be the best, I'm gonna have to. I'm just gonna have to beat you. 
you know, and that's my goal. And I'm sorry that you you're right here, but that's just it. <laughs> you know, I apologize. You know, we get off the field. You know, I'm like what happened to him? But uh, while we're on the field, that's a job, and uh, that's that's my passion for the game. And <sighs> you just don't get in front of me, and you'd be all right. <laughs> Ryan McKinney goes a few picks later. There had been no discussion nope. about, nope, not at all. even though he's the Super Bowl yep. tackle. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. As it turned out, was the, the, the right choice. <laughs> yeah. But no, at the time, Mike Williams was not only the guy as a tackle, but the guy for Buffalo. It was the year before, one of yeah. the reasons Rob Johnson got hurt is the O-line was not very good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And Rob Johnson obviously misses the second half of the season and <laughs> was averaging, at the time he got hurt in week nine, was averaging four sacks a game. Yeah. <laughs> that, that says it all. So the Williams draft is on April 20th. The very next day, the second day of the 2002 NFL draft, April 21st, the Bills make a trade. Yeah, and I tell this story all the time. This was probably the, the first really monster, out of nowhere story that yeah. I covered with the Bills. And now you, you might be able to verify some of these points, but I've been telling this story from my point of view. <laughs> but so the way we covered the draft then is the draft was two days. It was Saturday, Sunday. So John Kutchko, the sports director, was off, didn't worry. Yep. Dave would anchor the show on Saturday, and I would go up to Buffalo and hang out and interview right. whoever coaches, GMs, whoever came out and talked about draft picks. Well, that weekend, and probably most weekends, I was going to anchor and Dave was going to be off. So I was the only sports person scheduled that day. And it was Sunday morning, and I was driving home from somewhere, and I hear on the radio the trade goes down. Now, there was no call Dave and ask him what to do, no discussion. I called Dave and said, Dave, I'm going to Buffalo, you're anchored. <laughs> now, mind you, I had maybe 18 months of experience. Yeah. I was the low man on the totem pole. And it wasn't a, a factor of me, you know, talking trash or trying to, you know, to puff my chest out. It was just how, we, how John had kind of conditioned the department. Yep. Something like that happens. Yeah. You respond gonna, to it. We're going to go. Yeah. And, and I, don't, I didn't even talk to you. I left you a message. Yep. From your end, what do you remember about that day? I just remember scrambling because, you know, back then you're like, okay, you can't just pull things up like you can now on the internet yeah. and like, look what, what's going on. It was just, okay, let's get everything together. Let's get in there and, and just go from there. And John showed up later too on yep. his own. Yeah. 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 And it's Drew Bledsoe coming off a uh, Super Bowl win with the Patriots. He obviously didn't play yeah. in that Super Bowl win over the Rams, but the thought that it's Bledsoe, a guy that they knew from competing against him in the division for so many years. Uh, I, I mean, we've seen the video of fans calling in the season tickets just flying off the shelves from the Ralph. I mean, that must have been <laughs> the home run to end all home runs, bringing in Bledsoe. Was, Even though he was a vet at that point and had been replaced by Tom Brady. But it was just, he was, that was the answer. That was what you wanted. I mean, that was just... A colossal move. It was huge to have him there. And I, it was like a circus up there. Yeah. When they brought him in, it was it was like one of, you see one of those old time like political rallies when it was just <laughs> it was right. Yeah. It was it was. And the I, other thing you got to remember too is that the Bills at that point had had a few years of quarterback um, purgatory, as yeah. Doug Whaley so yep. famously yeah. said. They had had Todd Collins and Doug Flutie, who was oh, fun, no. but he was five two at best. Yeah. And then it was Rob Johnson, and then it was Alex Van Pelt for about five games. Drew Bledsoe was a legit mm -hmm. quality. Quarterback, proven. yeah, proven exactly, and, and even there was a little bit in the back of your mind, and we all talked about it about why would the Patriots give him up in division? But no one really, but ah, it's Drew Bledsoe, they'll be yep. fine. Yeah, every time uh, the Bills would play uh, the Patriots, and and Drew was behind uh, the center he, uh, on offense, I held my breath for uh, I think it was nine years. Uh, he's been to the Pro Bowl, and to get a to get a player and an individual 
uh, with this character and ability is a real, real big plus uh, for the Bills. I'm coming to Buffalo for one reason and one reason only, and that is to win football games. Uh, this is an organization that uh, has a great tr tradition of excellence, and I hope I am part of the team that returns it uh, to that tradition of excellence. And the Bills traded away a first-round pick, which you figure it's going to be at the end of the 2003 yes, first yeah. round. So first-round picks, first-round schmicks. You know, yeah, know, exactly. Who cares? <laughs> so, okay, so Bledsoe's here. Mike Williams is here. Things are good for year two of the Greg Williams era. June 3rd, uh, which is kind of a strange time for news like this, but the Bills cut John Fina. And he is the remaining player from the Super Bowl era still on the Bills. Phil Hansen retired uh, at the end of the 2001 season. And we talked about this already, of just kind of the finality of that era is over. John Fina is the last one to go. Your interactions with him, what was he like to, to cover? <laughs> you go first, Dave. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people that, that dealt with that team at that time, John Fina was not one of our favorite people no. to talk to. He Least was, favorite. Yeah, he was, yeah. He was up there, definitely. I mean, he was just Say very, that with authority, like, yeah. least favorite, period? John Fina, <laughs> if you did an interview with the player next to him, like John Fina's locker was here. I don't know, it might have been Reuben Brown, another offensive lineman. If you wanted to talk to someone, you couldn't stand in front of John Fina's locker, even though the lockers, again, are probably closer than yep. we are. He would physically move you out of the way, or he would accost you. He would, there was no respect, yeah. no <laughs> love. He was a jerk. Now... <laughs> People ask me, I'll go into like, I'll do career days at schools. People talk about, you know, who'd you like in locker room? Who you didn't like? I would always, John Fina was the worst guy. Like without really? hesitation, wow. the worst guy. <laughs> now he might not be a bad guy. As it turns out, maybe seven, eight years later, I'm doing a career day in Rochester, New York at a school called St. John's. I had a cousin that went there. Her kids were, were there. So I, they, I get that question about who I didn't like. I say, John Fina, put my hand out. That, for sure. Yeah. Well, after I get done, a kid in the class comes up to me and goes, you know John Fina is my cousin? I'm like, what? He has family in Rochester, New York. No kidding. And, and so the kid says, yeah, John Fina is my cousin. And he didn't see him all the time, but he yeah. sees him. And, and I said to him, well, really? Well, if he's a kid and Fina's his cousin, I mean, Fina would be... That might have the family relationship oh, okay. wrong. It wasn't, it wasn't like an uncle brother. Yeah, it might have yeah. been an uncle, might have been whatever. Yeah. But it was close enough that they, they knew each yeah, other. Yeah. And so you had that moment like... <gasps> uh -oh. <laughs> but then I thought about it. I said, you know what? You tell him I said that. <laughs> and he probably wouldn't have cared because that was... You know, and that was also the era. Remember the Broncos offensive line wouldn't talk to media yeah. famously. Yeah. He was of that ilk of just he had no, no respect, no time for them. He might have respect but treated us like vermin that were in his way in the locker room. I wonder when, when did that kind of shift with the O-line? Because we look at the Bills locker room now, and I don't, you know, Richie Incognito obviously has all the baggage that's come along with his history, but he, you can talk to him. Right. He will talk at his well, locker, Eric I, Wood and the other guys were, too. There were certain guys in the locker that you were, like Ted Washington mm -hmm. was one. not one that you wanted to really go, go to unless you had, you know, you had to. He yeah. was, he was not he didn't like the media he wasn't media friendly but you know then like you just said reuben brown <laughs> reuben brown was just i mean he was like one he of the go-to guys yeah, yeah. yeah so it was it, was it wasn't a unit thing. it was yeah. more of an individual yeah. thing by far peerless price was another guy that was tough i remember one time um peerless price was talking to a writer and you know in open locker room situations if, if the guy's talking you can kind of walk yeah. up and join in and so he's talking to a writer and i went to walk him and join in he stopped what he was saying looked at me and said this is not for you yeah. I'm not talking to you, and turned around, and that was he, Peerless Price was he was of the prima donna wide receiver ilk, you know. Now he had his good moments too, but you know, I think Fina, Washington, Price were probably the three right. historically stay away when it comes to a media. And point then of you view. turn around and find a tight end. 
because tight ends were great. Fullbacks were great. Tight ends were fullbacks. You want to talk about that to sum up? You know, when did it switch? When the Bills weren't good enough to treat media like dirt anymore. That's when yeah. it switched. Yeah. Because when they all these years they've been bad. You know, they didn't have the cachet as a football team. They're still rich and millionaire football players. But to me, you know, I think the team hasn't been good enough to really get on the media. There have been moments for sure. Yeah. But um, and you know, some I, of them deserved. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. not. It's not all the players' fault by a long shot. But John Fina was the last of the Super Bowl guys, and there was an air of deserved in many cases superiority there. Well, Fina is gone. And we've talked about it. It's a new era for the Buffalo Bills. Greg Williams is the head coach. Mm. Mike Williams is the number one overall, <laughs> their number one overall pick, pick number four. Drew Bledsoe is the quarterback. Let's bring in New Jerseys. And <laughs> what were your immediate thoughts looking at that feast of blue just all over the place on changing up a jersey look that I think looks really nice, those 90s and even in the 80s, yeah. that look that the Bills used during that decade. I like the dark blue. I liked it when yeah, it came out. You're the only one. No, I agree with I liked it when it came out. I was really, like, that's not bad. I didn't like the, the blue shoulder pad white jersey. I didn't yeah, like Yeah, right. I didn't but like that one either. I didn't like that the one The home blue, especially yeah. when they went blue on blue with yeah. the blue pants, that was actually popular-ish. Yeah. For a while, I didn't, I didn't, I really, I liked them. No, that white I, with the blue looked like an old AFL team yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, that was bad. And I'll tell you what, in 2001, end of the year, there was, it was like second to last week of the year, I don't think I ever told you this, but we were doing a media day or some function in Buffalo, and the practice field where the Bills practice, it's it's right up to the parking mm-hmm. lot, but it's covered with um, like a screen, tarp. Yeah, yeah, plastic yeah. tarp, so you can't see in what's going on. But there's little cracks, you know, you, you kind of walk by and see what's going on. There was a time... Um, we were done with everything we had to do. We were probably on our way back to get to the car or whatever. And I walked by the practice field, and there was one player running around in full uniform. I couldn't. Quite, it was like a silhouette. And I kind of looked over, and the uniform I didn't. I didn't recognize it. I to this day will swear <laughs> that the Bills had a maybe not that uniform, but a version of it. They were looking at someone running around in a person to try it out. I don't know. I thought it was 80, so I thought it might have been Eric Moulds, but I, I swear Espionage. that... Exactly. And it, again, I told him this the other day. If if we had Twitter now, I would have gone up there and had my yeah. phone, you uh, know, like, yeah. and you see me, you know, I'm going to put that out on Twitter now. First you know? told him to have you taken out. That would have been the last thing I would have done in Buffalo, yeah. So uh, we go into training camp in 2002. The Bills were at St. John Fisher, their third season there. Uh, the big news, really, from training camp doesn't even happen at St. John Fisher. It happens in Canton, Ohio. And Jim Kelly is inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, Dave, you mentioned about uh, how touching it was to see uh, Hunter, J- Jim Kelly's son, when Kelly's number was retired last season uh, against the Seattle Seahawks. But to see that Hall of Fame ceremony, and this time they had moved the Hall of Fame ceremony from the actual Hall of Fame to the stadium across the street. Just what was that like seeing tens of thousands of Bills fans there to celebrate their hero, Jim Kelly? Well, I think, you know, after the last couple of years, any celebration for a Bills fan was, <laughs> yeah. was going to be embraced wholeheartedly. So it was, you know, especially like we, we talked about last week about, you know, Jim had, had gone from just being that football player to being so much more for the community and, you know, the represent, representative of his, of his family. and. and and it was that was the transition. So to see him get that honor was just you know it was so well deserved and just phenomenal. Since the day I was selected, I prayed to God that my son would be here with me today. God has granted me that blessing. It has been written throughout my career that toughness is my trademark. Well, the toughest person I've ever met in my life. It's my hero, 
my soldier, my son, Hunter. I love you, buddy. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Buffalo. And God bless. Hey, Andre. I hear it, man. I appreciate, it's high it. I appreciate it. All right, Andre. Uh, come on, Mikey. Just, come on, let's go, just, let's just, go. just, just talk about uh, what Kelly meant to you and how special this day was after seeing what you saw here today. Well, I mean, I can. It was like a recording. I've said it 50 times. I mean, uh, I mean, what he meant to me is, a, I just knew that uh, it, he was just a guy that exuberated confidence, and you knew something was going to get accomplished. You know, regardless of what the score was, what the situation was. You know you can count on that guy every time you're out there. Three, two, one. Jim Kelly brought down the house, a record crowd of over 18,000 were on hand, many of them to see number 12. It was a day where Canton, Ohio could have passed as Orchard Park. Jim Kelly fans were everywhere. So we go into 2002, and before we dive into the season, maybe to just kind of, for those who maybe aren't aware of how we do this, so walk me through, even though I've done it too, walk, walk the, the audience home, uh, or walk the audience through covering a home game for the Buffalo Bills. In terms of what we did during the game? Yeah, pre, like uh, what time are you there? What, mm. what are you doing during pregame? What are you getting during the game, postgame? That, you know, from when you wake up almost mm. in the morning yeah. to when you go to bed yeah. at night, it's all Bills football. As a Rochester Bay station, we're in to leave at 9 a.m., Dave was very good about bringing donuts. Every Sunday. Right? Oh, it was oh, great. Man. Oh, man. That is a tradition that has bell. not been yeah. throughout well, the years. You know, I had a lot of donuts then. And there's a price to be paid for all those donuts. But it was great then, and then the Bills had food for us, too. But you, you arrive at the stadium you know, with traffic about 11 or so. You get settled, and then both of us are on the field pregame. Yep. And at that point, one of the things we did at News 8, and it was a lot of fun, is our Bills coverage that night would begin with an NFL Films uh, set the NFL Films music little montage of different shots of, you know, like things, NFL Films-ish, you know, dissolved. I've seen them. They look incredible. Yeah, Some yeah, of the old know, ones. I mean, Dave was really good at, you know, getting angles and different stuff. So we're on the field at noon, you know, minimum getting all those yeah. things done. And in addition, you're also trying to get, you know, shots of guys and coaches that you may need. And we do it now more. I, mm -hmm. I drill this into you now because you never know when that backup quarterback, TJ yeah. Yates, might be on <laughs> Buffalo Bill or when that offensive coordinator might be the next head coach. You want to yeah. get video of all those guys just in case. Yeah, exactly. I, I just remember, like, when I'd first get there, myself and some of the other guys, we'd walk, we'd just go out and take, we call it taking a lap. We'd just walk around the stadium just even in Orchard Park, just without our camera, just walking around just for the heck of it, kind of just yeah. then go back in. We'd have our tripod set up with the press conferences for post game and mm -hmm. have our batteries plugged in and all that stuff and get ready to go. I will the, say that like being on the field during a game is, is one of the biggest highlights of this job. Yeah. And you get that yep. perspective of the game as it's played right in front of your eye. And you see the speed, the strength, and the size of these guys up close and personal. But pregame, I think, and we, we've touched on this in previous episodes of just how neat it is to see the interaction before the game because even at that time, the guys kind of have their guard down a little bit. They're focused, but you can, you know, they're not in helmets, they're not in pads. You can see them warming up. You know, what was that like in the early 2000s, you know, doing that over and over again well, at home and on the road? Well, too? it got really, it was, when I first started, you could really, you had a lot more flexibility as far as going on the field for intros and things like that. So you could get stuff of them coming out the tunnel that you can't get now. You could because, be on the 50-yard line as guys were being introduced. Yeah, I'd yeah. be out when they when they come running down out of the out of that inflatable helmet and they'd, yeah. they'd be 
jumping on each other, I'd be out at midfield getting that. And that was just the kind of thing that was just, I mean, that's burned into my head. That was just some of the best stuff. Get y'all asses up! Get y'all asses up! The other difference then to, or then to now, then Dave and I would both shoot the game. So I'd be on the Bills sideline, Dave would be on the road sideline. And we actually, we'd, we'd want to be in the right spot for whatever happened. And we'd have like hand signals about, okay, I'm going to go down, <laughs> you stay there. And we, we would back and forth, we'd be communicating yeah. the whole game about, you know, do you want to be behind the offense? Do you want to be downfield of the offense? You know, if there's a game-winning field goal, it, you know, you get the isolation shot of the kicker to react. So we had all kinds of hand signals. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you know. And the, one would stay, like, if one would stay on the quarterback, the other would follow the ball on yeah, the pass. Yeah, exactly. So if the quarterback was getting hit or something like that, you'd have the angles of whatever you needed. And they, the Bills, or the NFL, and we'll get into this probably in later episodes of this, but in, in 2005-06, the NFL tried to lessen the congestion in the sideline and or take over control yeah. of video for themselves by reducing the number of people on the sideline. So we can't do that anymore. But back in 01, 02, 03, 04, you know, we shot a lot of games together. And it was, it was fun because as someone who's on the field, you're trying to get the good shot. It's the game within the game for us. And to have a teammate out there yeah. that we're coordinating with made it all yeah. more fun and interesting and exciting. And that was really, you know, you, you, you look at, when we, when we talk about these games, I sit there and I think, well, yeah, that game was bad, but you know what? The, the Bills got crushed with, I got a great shot of that touchdown. Yes. So it was yeah. really, it was yeah. like, okay, they're getting killed, but yeah. I got some good video from this one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, and and the, I, I do want to say, though, the two of you, and I'm not trying to you know, inflate your tires, are two of the best football shooters I've ever seen. And the video that you guys were able to get, and I know this from my own experience and watching others try to shoot NFL games from the field, the skill it requires to cover a game that played that fast right in front of you and to make the right decisions and to not, you know, be too fast or too slow, out of focus, in focus. Were there any uh, exercises or anything you guys did pregame at that time to kind of maybe train your eye or to, you know, you watching the players warm up, are you doing warm ups too? That was training camp was kind of that. You know, when training mm -hmm. camp started, you kind of got used to it. But really, I should not be talking at all. Everything I learned, I learned from him. <laughs> not a joke. You know, I mean, I had an idea when I got the news aid about how to do it, but Dave was the expert, and I just, I, you know, attached to the hip. <laughs> What'd you think of this? Yeah. What'd you do here? You know, he was the one that, that really, you know, guided me and, and mentored me into doing this. And there was a guy at Channel 13 who, Carl Shuba yeah. was that what he was the guy who everybody looked at as the, the, he was the top the dog butter. and it was kind of like you know I, I kind of would go to him for some stuff on you know what, what do you do in a situation like this that kind of thing but a lot of I think a lot of it is comes from playing sports is just it's instinct it's like it, you just you know you you kind of knowing the game is huge you know that yeah, just yeah. knowing what to expect and where to you know okay what are they going to do here and then you start learning the tendencies and that kind of thing another big thing was i mean you always talk about the quarterback arm angle yeah. if you see the elbow drop back he's going deep if it's up like that he's gonna he's you know so you've got to you try to pick up on stuff like that and getting used to quarterbacks play action fake too yeah. some are better you know mark sanchez killed me all the time of all the people in the world he was a guy that stands out bill's quarterbacks by and large, I thought I've had terrible play action well, face. Flutie was a bear just because he was so short. Yeah, yeah. You just could <laughs> you not, you couldn't him. find. The, <laughs> worst, the worst I ever got faked out was at a home game, one of the worst. Home game against the Colts, Peyton Manning 
faked the handoff and kept it on a bootleg and ran around the other. 33 yard touchdown, the longest run of his career. I didn't want to and bring that I'm up because that happened last season. I didn't want to. I didn't, I'm still looking for him. I was. I'm like, did he really just run that in? Peyton Manning, the slowest quarterback, oh well, maybe goodness. ever. Yeah. And part of that is, is that in that case, probably knowing the game burned Dave because yeah. Yeah. there's no way no he's ever looking for Peyton Manning running yep. the ball. Oh man. Well, I, I, this may have been a little too inside Sorry. videography for. Believe me. I really enjoyed this. <laughs> so let's turn to the 2002 season before we go completely off the rails. The first game ever for Drew Bledsoe in a Bills uniform. Ends, uh, Eric Moulds, game-tying touchdown with 26 seconds left, but the great feelings don't last for long, do no, they? No. Against the Jets, and this was the what's known as the Chad Morton game. Yep. He returns two kickoffs for a touchdown. The second one is in overtime, and, and he ran by me, and, and one of the things that we were coached to do, and, and I didn't do it as well, is you know for a kickoff return you got to be down by the end zone because that's really the only the only highlight yeah. that matters on that is going to happen there. Yeah. So I was down at like the ten, and you know he he catches the ball and he had already run one back and you're thinking there's no way it happens again. <laughs> and then he breaks a couple tackles and, and the whole way it's like you're kidding me you're yeah. kidding me yep. you're kidding me. <laughs> Where's then, the flag? Where's the flag? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he scores and then. Okay, Drew yeah. Bledsoe's 0-1, welcome you're, to Buffalo. And that yeah. was, talk about deflating. Yeah. Talk about deflate gate, right? Yeah, I know. But <laughs> the way he tied the game up, yeah. you know, the, the narrative was there for, oh, the, yep. the chosen son yeah, has exactly. come in, the, the trade has worked out, yeah. and then the Jets just beat him with a kickoff return. Yep. Again. Week two, the Bills go on the road to Minnesota, and this game it may be the most fun game of the entire Bills drought. I know they've had some wins against the Patriots that were really fun, but in this game, Bledsoe goes for 463 yards, which is a Bills record that still stands today, threw for three touchdowns. Peerless Price has two touchdowns. Charlie Rogers returns a kickoff for a touchdown. Mike Hollis bangs in a 54-yarder off the crossbar. Dave, you were there in Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah. and I won't get on you about the Moss touchdown you missed in that one, or earlier uh, in, in the Bills playoff drought, but just covering that game in Minneapolis, I can't imagine there must have been a game more fun. It was absolutely off the charts. And the, the best thing about that was the tying field goal. Hollis at the end of regulation. I lost track of I lost track of things. I thought it won the game. <laughs> I started going on the field to get the celebration and nobody's with me. I'm like, what's going on here? They're like, wait a minute. <laughs> one of the PR guys for the Bills had to pull me back on the sideline before I got <laughs> one of the things the reason Dave did that is one of the things we do is once a game's over, you want to get on the field to get the coaches reactions. Yeah. But yeah. So whether the game's 40 to nothing or 40 to 39, the moment that horn, you know, yep. moment's all zeros, you're on the field. And, and well, you got to pay attention yeah. to the score. <laughs> we talk about looking at the scoreboard. I know, and the situations, and yeah, I got ahead of myself. Peerless Price has a game-winning 48-yard uh, touchdown in overtime in that one. And, okay, the Bills are 1-1, one and one, but they are entertaining yep. and exciting. And coming off a 3-13 and 13 season, that's all you can ask right. for, really. Yeah. And what was that like, you know, at that point early in the season? I know it's only two games in, but just thinking like, okay, this team's going to score a lot of points right. and probably give up a lot of points too. Well, you figure they're one and one, but the way they lost the first one, they should. You're they not going to do that they again. They shouldn't you have think. lost that. Yeah. So you're, you're you're in a good. You're really. Yeah. People were one and a half. We, we were still Drew Bledsoe honeymoon, 100 percent. Defcon five. You know, the whole thing. Week three, they go on the road to Denver. Not nearly as fun at all. Uh, Bledsoe sacked four times. He's had 11 sacks through three games of the season. Bills lose that one. Week two, they reached the, the three-quarter pole at 2-2 two and two with a win in overtime uh, in that one. And then in week five, uh, they lose to the Oakland Raiders, who go on to the Super Bowl that year. Oakland wins 49-31, and this is uh, a theme of the Bills' drought. Fourth quarter collapses. Oakland scores 21 straight points in that one uh, as Oakland goes on to win 49-31. Then in week six, 
The Bills win in Houston 31-24. And week seven, the Bills <laughs> go on the road to Miami. Uh, Eric Moltz is a 70-yard touchdown. Ray Lucas picked off four times. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we talk about bad quarterbacks. Ray Lucas has to be on that list of, of the worst quarterbacks what? that the Bills face during this era. Jay Feeler is hurt, so that's why Lucas nope. is in there. Uh, week eight, Bills uh, host the Detroit Lions. Joey Harrington makes an appearance. Really nothing all that special. <laughs> Bills win that one. They go to five and three. They've now won three straight games. And, you know, does this kind of, at this point now, we're halfway through the season. They're five and three. We're on our way. Yeah. Exactly. We're the three our, and yeah. three team is a blip. Yep. It's in the rearview mirror. Yeah. I mean, at, at this point, I'm, you know, happy, I guess, with Greg oh, yeah. Williams. Yeah. The, even was, even with the the bad record and the bad offensive more, line, Bledsoe's more, getting hit a lot. It was more Bledsoe that people yeah. were happy yeah, about. And the, yeah, it wasn't. Greg still wasn't. I think any great shakes, and I think they were just happy with the things. It looked like they were turning around. Mm -hmm. Week nine, New England Patriots come to the Ralph. Thad, I'll just let you take it from there. <laughs> the first the first Brady Bledsoe game was going to be a big deal, uh -huh. you know, and we everybody knew it going in. So, you know, John Kutchko, bless his heart again, had the, the idea to not only, now media day, to back this up a little bit, media day is Wednesday for most teams. It's the day where most media, you know, hence the name, um, gather their material for stories for the rest of the week. Not all of it, but 80, 90% of it, the chunk of it. And the coaches talk. Exactly, yeah, everybody talks. So we went up to Buffalo every week, every week, you know, of the season. Well, John said, you know, as big as this game is, let's go to New England too. So John sent Dave to Buffalo, and he sends me to Foxborough to cover Patriots media day. And at that point, this was still 2002. So the, Belichick was not the legendary monotone, I'm not going to say. He was just another coach. He still coach. has a Super Bowl ring well, as yeah. a head coach. But even, even then, people, everybody thought the Rams were winning that game. Yeah. Yeah. That Super Bowl, with the tuck rule and the way that the, the Super Bowl went and the, the Rams were heavily favored, that Super Bowl was looked at a fluke. I remember that year the NFL had these cool ads where um, at the Super Bowl – they said, here's what everybody was saying back in preseason. And one of the ones they did was some guy in a Chad Pennington Jets jersey, like talking with his friends, and he goes, Tom Brady, not that good a quarterback. <laughs> and at the time, you know, in September of 2002, you could have believed it. And again, throughout that year, people, all right, the Patriots won the Super Bowl, but whatever, that's just one year. It wasn't what they are now. Um, so, you know, we go to media day, and, and Belichick's not another coach. When they brought us into the locker room, Tom Brady didn't speak at the podium because he wanted to be one of the other guys, so he spoke in front of his locker. Well, and that was something that was true for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Brady. A lot of guys yeah. do that, yeah, and a lot of, not just him. Yeah. So they bring us down a hallway, and it's Boston media getting ready for the game against Bledsoe. It was as big there as it was here. So there was 40, 50, 100 people. It was a large it. number. I can believe and it. we're all in a, a tunnel maybe four or five feet wide, six feet wide, something like that. There's enough that's like three, three wide. So when it's time to go in the locker room, when the period opens, it's like, release the hounds. They open the door, and everyone beeline to the Tom Brady locker. And, and, you know, I kind of expected this and didn't mind hustling. So I got up there, and I was probably in row two of the group of media. So I'm still piled yeah. in, trying to get a, yep. a camera here, a microphone there. And I had one of the better shots. There were 30 people behind me that were on stools, oh holding God. things in the air. Like boom and, mics. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and you, we want to hear, and Tom Brady... You know, says nothing. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it, it didn't really have to be there, but you know, you're supposed to be there. And you know, one of my favorite moments working at News 8 was watching it back later when Dave does his report. And at the end of his report, he goes, I'm Dave Yates in Orchard Park. For more, we go to Thad Brown and Foxborough. And whew, next shot is me at Gillette Stadium. It looks so cool. And then John ends the whole thing. So I say Thad Brown and Foxborough, and John comes back and he goes, on the air, he says, if we had someone else, we would have sent them to Miami. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, 
I'm just kidding. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a fun week for us, and it was interesting to see that story from both sides. Yeah. And you also have a story, Thad, from the sideline of that game from the Bills Patriots. Oh yes, involving one of the, your favorites. So um, there was a guy. You remember Ward, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. From, yeah. Uh, w uh, GRZ in yep. Buffalo. He was one of the funniest men I've ever known. Just you know, great to hang out with. So we're standing on the sideline in Orchard Park pregame, Bills Patriots. And lo and behold, there's Jessica Alba on the sideline. Now, exactly. <laughs> now, in many NFL stadiums, it's not unusual to see celebrities on the sideline. Yep. I've seen John oh, Bon Jovi yeah. at Jets games. Yeah. Who was the Soprano star? I don't know. James Gandolfini? He was at Jets games yep. all the time. Yep. I saw Lisa Leslie at a Dolphins game, not this past year, <laughs> or no, a Rams game, just this past year. So, but Jessica Alba, or anyone in Orchard Park, yeah. was brand new. So we were both big fans. And, and Ward, says, Ward says to me, oh, I wish I could go talk to her. I'm like, well, we probably could. He's like, no, 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 no. So he goes to do something else. And I'm thinking, when am I ever going to get another chance? Yeah. So I go up to Shoot Jessica. your shot, Thad. Exactly. I go up to Jessica and I say, Jessica, you know, my name is Thad. You know, um, I'm a huge fan. And I have this idea. And I thought of it before I went up to talk to her. I said, would you mind? I'm going to have you hold the microphone. Would you mind saying that whenever I'm in Rochester, I always watch Thad Brown on News 8? <laughs> Well, me being debonair and charming is all get out. <laughs> she giggles. She's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. We, we'll, hopefully we'll run that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we have it. She, she, goes, she goes, sure, sure. So I hand her the microphone, camera on my shoulder, and she goes. Hi, I'm Jessica Alba, and I always watch Thad Brown on News 8. <laughs> I was in. So I said, I said, thank you very much. I you appreciate it. Good love your career. Love you. You know, she was on a show called Dark Angel. I told her I watched it. Complete lie. <laughs> So I go back into the, into the media room, and of course the coup de grace of this is showing Ward what I had gathered. And I go, Ward, Ward, come here, come here, come here. So I had it all queued up in the camera, I'm like, check this out, check this out. So he looks in, I hit play, and he sees, and he goes, dude, come on, that's not fair. And I, you know, it's still, whenever someone new comes into the sports department, one of the first things is, I gotta show you this. A 15 year old memory with an old love, Jessica yeah. Alba. Uh, uh, even the wife appreciated that one. Yeah, <laughs> well, of course, because it is uh, Brady and Belichick against the Buffalo Bills. Didn't go well for the no. Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bledsoe sacked four times, picked off as well. Brady wins his first game in Buffalo, uh, or his second game, excuse me, in Buffalo against the Bills, 38-7. The Bills are now 5-4. and four. And after this game, Greg Williams, his play calling is called out by Ralph Wilson. Said it was too conservative at this point. And, you know, you guys touched on this a, a moment ago of just that Bledsoe was seemingly the guy that was carrying yeah. this team. Was he doing it in spite of Williams in the eyes of fans in the media at that time? I think so. I, I, think, I think there was a lot of, it's like, you've got the guy, let him, let him go. <laughs> you know, just let him do what he's supposed to, what he's here to do, basically. And Greg Williams didn't really win any friends his first year in 2001. He was not... 3-13 will do that. Well, it's not, not even about that, though. <laughs> oh. It's about the way he you know, acted in front of a microphone, his attitude. You know, the, the public persona of Greg Williams was not warm and fuzzy, and that's just not his way. Yeah, and we know you, that now for exactly. sure. Exactly. Yeah. And when you pile a 3-13 and season on top of that, he was not a fan favorite. Drew Bledsoe, on the other hand, was the savior. Yeah. Yeah. So for most of that season, whatever positive was Drew and whatever negative was, it, if I remember correctly, was Greg yeah. for the most part. So they come out of the bye week in week 11. They go to Kansas City. The Bills drop that one late, lose 17-16. Week 12, the Bills go on the road to the Meadowlands to take on the Jets, James Gandolfini's favorite team. <laughs> and before that game starts, Tom Donahoe and Ralph Wilson are walking along the field pregame. <laughs> And some fans have some choice words for Mr. Donahoe and Mr. Wilson. Uh, first off, who shot that? That was me. So Donahoe and Ralph Wilson walk onto the field up the tunnel. 
for pregame. And Jets fans act like any opposing fans would. And New York fans a little more so than, oh, the than worst. Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, they have their moments. But it wasn't anything out of the, the ordinary. Tough guys. What was out of the ordinary is that <laughs> Ralph Wilson was, you know, going back and forth with him. 83-year-old, now he wasn't too quick on the draw, but so, you know, fans are yelling at him. He walks out and kind of turns around and slowly shakes his <laughs> finger. Well, Donahoe was next to him, and he kind of got the feeling that Donahoe had to stand up for his boss. Yeah. So Donahoe was kind of yelling and doing finger wags, stuff like that. And nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Right. It would have made for a funny Twitter video now. Yeah. And then I shot it, and it was, it, was, it was all right. I mean, it was just unusual to see anyone having that kind of repartee with a fan. Because if it's a football player, they're bigger and stronger, right. and the fan will be quiet. In this case, the owner and the GM were not that. So they were going back and forth, and the fans were letting them have it. And, and no one, it was kind of a... Everybody enjoyed it, but no one was friends with the other side. No. You know, it was very <laughs> adversarial. Well, in that game, the play of the game that sticks out from watching it back, oh, yeah. Eddie Robinson <laughs> gets faked out of his shoes by Chad Pennington. You, you talk about football players being, you know, these guys cut out of stone. Uh, no one is saying that about Chad Pennington. No offense, Chad. You know, so to see him juke a player out, was that kind of the moment where you go, oh, that 5-3 and three start, that's... That's in the rear view now because the Bills go on to lose this game in the Meadowlands 31-13. They've now lost three straight and are now under 500 at 5-6. Five and six. That was the beginning of the end, I think, for the Greg Williams idea of a defense because yeah. Eddie Robinson was 32 going on 82, you know, and probably no business playing D. <laughs> yeah. and, and the way Chad Pennington undressed him was um, really pointing out the flaws in, in what the Bills had attempted to construct defensively, and that's why they brought in like seven new linebackers the next year. Yeah. And the pressure is growing on Kevin Gilbride as well as the Bills mm -hmm. only score 13 points. We've seen, you know, through these last two seasons, shutouts, three-point uh, performances, six points, 13 in this one. Uh, Gilbride is the new offensive coordinator. Was there any honeymoon period for him after those first two weeks? It seems like after the early start to that 2002 season, everything turned south in terms of the, the response to the Bills' offense. There was a lot of head-scratching because, I mean, Gilbride was no – slouch when it came to his yeah. job and you you thought he was going to be able to do it and he started out doing it well and it's like what happened he was like <laughs> the last big name offensive coordinator they had I mean, he yeah. was a good name I mean, more notorious than anything else because yeah. of the buddy ryan fight but you bring him in with drew bledsoe it was supposed to mm -hmm. work this wasn't some you know neophyte you know no-name right. guy this was kevin gilbride yeah. and with drew bledsoe it was supposed to function fine the following week the offense finds its life once again this time at home against the miami dolphins Drew Bledsoe throws for 306 yards, three touchdowns as well. Eric Moulds has this great one-handed catch uh, going into the end zone. Ricky Williams said pregame he had never seen snow before. This was a cold, <laughs> snowy day in Orchard Park as the Bills go on to win 38-21. Week 14, Brady Bledsoe once again, this time in, uh, in Foxborough. Uh, Pats were up 20 to nothing at halftime. Is there anything memorable from that game as the... The Pats go on to, to blitz the Bills 27-17. I think the biggest thing was we, we didn't cover anything like we covered the first game. Like, there were yeah, no trips to yeah. Foxborough. Like, that, that had kind of gone out the window. And I think the fact they lost three in a row, that was more the story about what, what's wrong with the Bills. Right. Remember, that also was, that was the one year that Brady played and the Patriots didn't dominate the division. They didn't even make the yeah. playoffs that year. So, at, you know, early December, all four teams were still in it. And the Bills were the ones that took a nosedive. 
The Jets, the Dolphins, and Patriots all went right down to the last week of the season. So that was more the talk than the whole Brady Bledsoe thing was done. Right. And at this point, the Bills' season is basically hanging by a thread. Their Week 15 game against San Diego is blacked out. And you think about the all the talk about playing San Diego the year before. Mm. Now they play San Diego, and nobody even bothers to want to go to a game like this. But the Bills do go on to win uh, 20 to 13. They're now back to 500 at seven and seven. And at this point, they now need to win out and get help. So in Week 16, they go to Green Bay, and nothing went right. No. <laughs> and that, that was your game. That right? was yeah. my game. Yeah, I mean it was, it was, it was awful. Mm-hmm. It was an awful. It was a bad game from my perspective. I think shooting wise, I think I had some good stuff, but it was just. I just remember it being. It was cold. Yeah. It was an awful cold. Lambo in December. December. Yeah. And, and, well, and if you go, if you go to Lambo, you want to go in December. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Yeah. You know, you've got to be there for for that. But I remember. I think if I'm not mistaken, this their stadium was being was undergoing renovations as well and the locker rooms weren't complete so the visiting locker rooms were actually like trailers out in the parking lot so i did not know that if i'm not mistaken we had that's where we did the post-game interview that's like the one thing i remember from that yeah yeah. well the bills lose 10 nothing yeah eliminated from postseason contention and uh the criticism of the offense was a, a major theme in the second half of the season to put up a goose egg in the deciding game of right. the season. I mean, at this point, I know, you know, we know obviously with hindsight that Greg Williams gets another season, but uh, at, you know, at this point, are you thinking like, oh man, this... Well, yeah, when you're, I mean, your season's on the line, you can't yeah. score, score any points. Mm-hmm. It's like, what, what are we doing here, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Again, we're not, we're not to the point where it's, it's panic. It's, it's no. you know, there was improvement, three and 13 to eight and eight. Okay, let's keep going in that direction. Yeah, exactly. you know, we, we have our quarterback. We're on the right path. The quarterback, the head coach, eh, who knows? But whatever. They improved five wins from the year before. They were in it until Christmas, basically. Yeah. So you know, there there wasn't any sort of this is not going to work. There was a feeling that there okay, there are things that need to be fixed. But you know, the Bills were on the right path. Week 17, the Bills host the Cincinnati Bengals, win that game. Afterward, Peerless Price says he would like to stay. He's due a big, hefty payday as Peerless Price had a great season. 1,200 yards receiving, 94 catches, 9 touchdowns. His, his partner in crime, Eric Moulds, 100 receptions, 1,200 yards. The two of them combined have nearly 2,500 yards receiving. And just the thought of, you know, the season ends 8-8. Eight and eight. The reflections afterward, Bledsoe throws for 4,000 yards. But it's another season without the playoffs. Does that thought of, okay, this is an improvement off 3-13, did that supersede the fact that they fell off late in the year? No. Because again, we're not to that point where yeah. it's any big yeah. deal. Yeah, it was. It was. You, there was hope. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. there wasn't after the end of you know the season before. The, you, you were just, what are we going to do now? Now the, we're, we're we're in the middle of nowhere. The, the Drew Bledsoe honeymoon didn't get into the playoffs, but it got everybody feeling like this was going to yeah. work at some point. Well, now we turn to 2003, and <laughs> could that hope manifest itself into a playoff appearance? For that, we turn to the next episode of Down and Drought.